You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. NFL season right around the corner, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, it's Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview, and it's taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in beginning August 30th. Today is Tuesday, August 24th. We are now 77 days from the start of college basketball season and Gonzaga's home opener against Dixie State. Today we're going a little bit more basic than our last two wild stats that we threw out there. And today the number 77 is the number of points Gonzaga scored in their first ever Final Four game back in 2017. They beat South Carolina 77-73 to to advance to their first national championship in school history. Nigel Williams-Goss had 23 points on 7 of 11 shooting. To go along with his six assists, Jordan Matthews hit four threes. He was four for eight from behind the arc. And then Zach Collins put on a transcendent performance that ended up boosting his NBA stock so much that he got drafted in the lottery. 14 points, 13 rebounds, six blocks in just 23 minutes of playing time. Gonzaga gets to the national title game for the first time in program history with a 77-73 victory in Glendale, Arizona. Come back tomorrow. To hear about the number 76, which is significant for two different reasons, as we continue our countdown to the start of college basketball season. All right, today on the show, we're looking back on the 2016 Gonzaga Bulldogs, probably the most dramatic season of the last decade. Shema Karnowski hurt his back at the beginning of the year. Gonzaga loses every meaningful non-conference game, and they are one loss away from missing the NCAA tournament altogether for the first time in the Mark Few era, and HBO was there for every step of the way to document all of it. We'll talk about that today on the show, and we'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Michaela Williams, who was a top 100 freshman last year for the Gonzaga women's program, but she did not receive much playing time. Does she have a sophomore jump coming her way this season? We will discuss that today on the show. Before we get to that, three pieces of news that I want to talk about. Number one, Gonzaga women's basketball has their first confirmed games on the schedule, and it is going to be a Thanksgiving weekend tournament in Hawaii. Not many better places to spend Thanksgiving weekend, the end of November, than in Hawaii. There's not many better places to spend any time uh, than Hawaii. So Gonzaga going to Hawaii, they're going to be in a four-team event. It's just a a round-robin style of four teams. We'll all play each other. So Gonzaga in that tournament is going to face Utah, Hawaii, and Eastern Illinois. So I believe, uh, based on my research at least, that these are the first confirmed games for the Gonzaga women's schedule. There's some rumored ones out there. They have had long-standing home-and-home series with Stanford and Washington State, which I imagine will continue. They've been playing regional games against Montana, Montana State, Idaho State, a a bunch of teams from the big sky. They've been playing them for years. And then I want to say that the return game from their home-and-home against Wyoming um, should be coming this year. But again, who knows with the pandemic last year and how scheduling 
was all sorts of wonky last season, how that affects this season's scheduling. But I would imagine they're going to do their best to at least keep the WSU and Stanford home-and-homes running. Um, and I don't know where, where they stand, whether those Stanford game would be at home or if it would be away this year. But getting Stanford, who's the defending national champion, would be a huge get for their non-conference schedule. But for now, what we know is three games in Hawaii against Utah, Hawaii, and Eastern Illinois for the Gonzaga women's non-conference schedule. All right, so that's piece of news number one. Piece of news number two is that Kevin Pangos is apparently getting interest from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we talked about Kevin Pangos a little bit at the start of NBA free agency and how he is going to get some interest in NBA teams. And if he gets a guaranteed contract and a chance with actual playing time, there's a good chance that he would come back to the United States from playing overseas. He's been playing in Spain and Lithuania and Russia. He's been absolutely fantastic. One of the best guards in all of Europe. And now it looks like Cleveland is the favorite to land him because they really only have 10 guys with um, guaranteed contracts on the rosters. A lot of the other teams that were interested in him, uh, including Memphis, Memphis has essentially too many players on their roster, so I'm not sure that they can actually give a guarantee to Pangos, whereas Cleveland can. So uh, look for Cleveland Cavaliers to be the ones... Um, as the favorites for Kevin Pangos, and hopefully Pangos gets his shot, his long, long due shot in the NBA. And then the last piece of news here is that the San Francisco Dons released their non-conference schedule for the 2021-2022 basketball season. And I'll go through it really quickly. LIU and Prairie View A&M at home to start the season. They'll face Davidson in a site to be determined still. They host Samford. They host Nevada. They host Morgan State. And then they'll go to Las Vegas, and they'll play two games in Vegas. Number one is against Towson, and then their second game is against the winner of UAB and New Mexico. They come back home, and they host UNLV and Fresno State, two decent teams there. And then they'll head to Arizona, where they'll take on Grand Canyon and Arizona State. So the uh, the big prize, I guess you could say, of their non-conference schedule is a true road game at Arizona State. And a win there would be huge, not just for San Francisco, but for the WCC as a whole. And then they wrap up their w- or their non-conference schedule, I should say, with home games against Southern Illinois and the always daunting Academy of Art. So a pretty decent non-conference schedule for San Francisco. I would say there's six marquee games with Davidson, Nevada, uh, possibly New Mexico, and then UNLV, Grand Canyon, and Arizona State. But for the most part, this schedule um, is lined up for them to go, you know, 12-2, and two, I think. Uh, and if they can get to 12-2, and two, they could put themselves in a spot to be an at-large contender if they play well enough in the WCC. All right, that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2016 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Kyle Wilcher, DeMontis Sabonis, they led the team, but it was contributions from a couple unlikely sources that kept the NCAA tournament streak alive. Before we talk about them, I want to talk about sweat block. There's a few things in life that aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you're just sweating through your shirt for no reason? It's embarrassing, right? I know this isn't life and death. There's much worse problems in the world right now. But let's be honest. In the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech or an interview or, God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it. And now you don't have to. Introducing Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. They are doctor-recommended and doctor-created here in the United States. 
You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and then next morning you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. If sweat block does not keep you dry, you get your money back. No more pitting out, no more picking shirts based on which one will hide sweat best. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Also, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on. Now, how did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Okay, the 2016 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Coming off their first Elite Eight since 1999, and they lose three seniors in Gary Bell Jr., Kevin Pangos, Byron Wesley. They replace Kevin Pangos with Josh Perkins, who is coming off of his injury redshirt season. So now he's a redshirt freshman uh, for the Zags. They essentially replace Gary Bell Jr. with Eric McClellan, who got eligible in the second half of the 2015 season, but wasn't really used a whole lot down the stretch of that year. And to be honest, they didn't really get a replacement for Byron Wesley. Um, Silas Melson and Kyle, uh, Kyle Dranginis kind of filled in that void a little bit. Um, they kind of tag team that wing spot. But the biggest problem with this 2016 roster, which is basically the opposite of 15 and 17, is that they had no depth. Part of that, of course, is because Shema Karnowski gets hurt a month into the season, which we'll talk about in a second. But after that, there wasn't a whole lot. And one of the reasons for that is because they did not bring in a freshman class at all. Their only freshman that they signed in this class was Jesse Wade, and he went on a two-year mission. They brought in three different transfers, Jonathan Williams, Jeremy Jones, Nigel Williams-Goss, which, of course, helped lead them to a national championship the next year. But in 2016, all three of those guys were sitting out and couldn't play. So Gonzaga, essentially, once Karnowski went down, they were stuck with a six-man rotation basically the final two months of the season. Um, Mark Few used Brian Alberts sparingly and Ryan Edwards in emergencies. But when push came to shove in a big game, it was a six-man rotation. Luckily for them, the two guys at the forward spots were unbelievable. Kyle Wilcher, DeMontis Sabonis. They were phenomenal all season long. And let's talk about that season. They start the year ranked ninth in the country coming off of their success from that 2015 season. They win two bye games at home before they head to battle in Atlantis. They beat UW while they are there but then drop a game basically at the buzzer to Texas A&M, 62-61. But then they bounce back and beat UConn, who's another ranked team at the time, uh, in the third-place game of the Battle for Atlantis. Kyle Wilcher had 17 points in that third-place game. DeMontis Sabonis had 12 points and 9 rebounds coming off the bench. If you remember, at the first you know six games or so before Shema Karnowski got hurt, he was the starter. 
It was Wiltshire and Karnowski in the front court and Sabonis coming off the bench, just like it was on that 2015 roster. Then Shemek Karnowski goes down. He played five games that season. Their first game after that was a game at Washington State. DeMontis Sabonis entered the starting lineup, had nine points and 14 rebounds in that game. But again, it was Kyle Wilcher, 22 points to lead Gonzaga to a 69-60 win uh, over the Cougars. And that loss of Karnowski, like I said earlier, affected the depth of Gonzaga. And they would lose two of their next three games, both at home to Arizona and UCLA. And both of those games were actually very similar. Gonzaga went up double digits at halftime against Arizona at home. And then they just kind of stopped scoring. They let Arizona come back in the second half, outscored Gonzaga 40-25 to in the second half of that game to beat Gonzaga 68-63. to Kyle Wilcher had 33 points for Gonzaga. 14 of 27 from the field. DeMontis Sabonis had 18 points and 16 rebounds. Those two guys, this was just a sign of things to come. Those two guys essentially carried the team all season long. Pretty much the same thing happened a week later when they faced UCLA. Gonzaga was up for basically 30 minutes in that game. And then UCLA hit a few big shots, got the stops they needed at the end of the game. UCLA beats Gonzaga 71-66. to So Gonzaga in their two marquee home games lose to Arizona and UCLA. They bounce back with a battle in Seattle win against Tennessee. And so they enter the WCC at 8-3, which is respectable. But they lost three out of their five marquee games. They lost to Arizona. They lost to UCLA. They lost to Texas A&M. Really, their only decent wins were UConn and Tennessee. If you want to count Washington as a decent win, feel free. So they entered the WCC, and their first weekend trip was at Santa Clara and at San Francisco. They get by Santa Clara by the skin of their teeth, 79-77, and then it's the game at San Francisco. The comeback in overtime. Just an amazing performance from DeMontis Sabonis, probably his best game in a Gonzaga uniform. 35 points and 14 rebounds, three blocks, four assists. He was 12 of 16 from the field, 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Kyle Wilcher with 30 points, 13 of 22 from the field. I have not gone back through every single box score throughout the Mark Few era, but I'm going to guess this is the only time that Gonzaga ever had multiple 30-point scores in a single game. Sabonis with 35, Wilcher with 30. They come back in the final minutes to tie USF, and then they win it in overtime, 102-94. to And you kind of thought that that team essentially started to turn it around a little bit. They figured out who they were, uh, and then they come back home, and they lose to BYU. And then the next week, they lose at St. Mary's, both by one possession. So they lose a one-possession game to Texas A&M in Battle for Atlantis. They lose what was essentially a one-possession game plus a couple free throws at the end to Arizona and UCLA. And then they lose a one-possession game to BYU, a one-possession game to St. Mary's. And all of a sudden, they've lost five games, and they have really no marquee wins. And you start thinking, I don't know if this is going to be enough to get an at-large bid if Gonzaga doesn't win the tournament. They had one last chance to make a case for themselves, and that was a game at SMU. SMU, at the time, was not eligible for the NCAA tournament because of some sanctions, but they were 25-5, and and they were ranked in the top 20. So this is the last chance for Gonzaga to get a marquee road win, and if they did, that would boost their non-conference hopes. They lose. 
They competed for most of the game. SMU made the plays down the stretch. The Gonzaga loses 69-60. to This was Kyle Wilcher's worst game, maybe as a Gonzaga Bulldog. Two for 17 from the field. He was 0 for 8 from deep. Gonzaga loses 69-60. to And at that point, you're like, all right, this is getting really, really dicey. The very next week, they lose at home to St. Mary's. They get swept by the Gales. They lose in Moraga, and then they lose at home. They only score 58 points at home to St. Mary's. And so then at that point, you're like, all right, Gonzaga has to win the WCC tournament or they're not making this. But what gave you some hope is that their final game of the regular season, they go to BYU, the same BYU team that beat them back in January, hostile environment in Provo, and they beat the Cougars on the road in a gritty gritty performance 71 to 68 they finally win that one possession game that they had been losing all season long Wilcher 21 Sabonis 15 points 14 rebounds gives them a little bit of momentum heading into the WCC tournament they smack Portland in the quarterfinals and then the game against BYU in the semifinals had split against Gonzaga in the regular season this full game still on YouTube another game that I recommend you go check out DeMontis Sabonis, 18 points, 14 rebounds, 6 of 6 from the field. He did not miss a shot. Kyle Wilcher, 29 points, 8 rebounds, 10 of 18 from the field. Josh Perkins was fantastic. 17 points, 5 assists. But it was really Eric McClellan who was the superstar in the WCC tournament. He was named WCC Defensive Player of the Year in the regular season, and he played fantastic Broke out in a scoring role in the WCC tournament. He had 26, a career-high 26 against Portland in the quarterfinals. He had 15 against BYU in the semifinals. And then the championship game, Gonzaga had no problem scoring on St. Mary's. It was one of their best offensive showings against the Gales really in the last decade. They shot 62% against St. Mary's. All five starters finished in double figures, and that included Eric McClellan, who scored 20 points, turned the ball over zero times. Eric McClellan in the WCC tournament averaged 20.3 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists. He turned the ball over one time. He did not miss a single free throw. He was 18 for 18 from the line. He was also 7 for 13 from beyond the arc, which is above 50%. And for a guy who shoot mid-30s pretty much all season long, um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal performance and a season-saving effort from Eric McClellan and to this day is still one of the most underrated Zags simply because of that three-game stretch. As all this was happening, Gonzaga was part of an HBO documentary called The March to Madness. Unfortunately, that has been wiped off the internet entirely. I cannot find it anywhere. I know a lot of people have been trying to go back and watch that over the last couple of seasons just to relive this 2016 season and I cannot find it anywhere. I don't see it on HBO, on the app, on Apple TV, nowhere. Uh, but that uh, documentary was so much fun to watch. Uh, just the the dramatic season, uh, basically down the stretch, those last six weeks where Gonzaga needed to win basically every game in order to get to the NCAA tournament. And that's exactly what they did. And you can see the emotion on the bench in the WCC championship game and in the semifinals for that matter. It kind of felt like BYU was the tougher matchup. Um, and so they beat BYU, they beat St. Mary's, and just the, the elation, the hugs, the tears on the bench once they clinched that WCC championship. It was unbelievable to watch. And I really wish that the internet still had it somewhere that all of us can watch it. 
So Gonzaga gets a number 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. They go on to take on Seton Hall in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Seton Hall as a six seed was one of those teams that everybody had as their sleeper pick to make the final four because they had won 12 of their last 14 games and they had just won the uh, Big East tournament after upsetting top five Xavier and top five Villanova. So it's one of the, this happens every single year. Most of the time over the last decade, it's been up uh, Iowa State, but this year it was Seton Hall. One of those teams that gets super hot at the end of the tournament, wins their conference tournament unexpectedly, and then bows out in the first round of the NCAA tournament after everybody hypes them up. It happened like three straight years with Iowa State. 2016, it was Seton Hall. Everybody assumed that they would beat Gonzaga and had a chance to all at least get to the Sweet 16. Gonzaga really beat the crap out of them. I mean, this was not a contest from the get-go. They were up 10 at halftime. They win the game by 16. DeMontis Sabonis, 21 points, 16 rebounds. Kyle Wilcher with 13 points and 7 rebounds. Eric McClellan, like I mentioned, WCC Defensive Player of the Year. He held Isaiah Whitehead, Seton Hall's best player and leading scorer, to 4 of 24 shooting. He was 0 for 10 from deep. Had just 10 points as a team. Seton Hall went 4 for 21 from deep. Gonzaga wins another first round game, 68 to 52 over Seton Hall. And then they go on to play number three seed, Utah. And for as much as they dominated Seton Hall, they dominated Utah even more. And we talked about this uh, about a week ago, I think, when I was talking about Jalen Suggs not being picked by Toronto. And then, uh, you know, five years earlier, Toronto passing up on. DeMontis Sabonis to take Jakob Pertl, even though in this game, DeMontis Sabonis ate Jakob Pertl's lunch the entire night. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Pertl had 5 points. And for the most part, they held Kyle Kuzma in check, who now plays uh, in the NBA. So they smack Utah 82-59, to and a team that had struggled all season long, winning close games, finally puts it all together in the NCAA tournament and smacks 2 Really good teams to get back to the Sweet 16 uh, for the second straight year. And then the dreaded Syracuse 2-3 zone. You could argue that Syracuse should not have even been in this tournament, but they made it. They beat Dayton. They beat Middle Tennessee after Middle Tennessee upset Michigan State in the first round. So it was a 10 seed versus an 11 seed in the Sweet 16. Gonzaga and Syracuse kind of went back and forth all night. Gonzaga held a lead late. Uh, but they had a, several turnovers down the stretch, could not make the plays that they needed to, much like earlier in the season, and Gonzaga's season ends with a 63-60 to loss to the Orange. Wilcher and Sabonis in this game were fantastic, but uh, Josh Perkins, Kyle Dranginis, Eric McClellan, they combined to turn the ball over 10 times and went 4 for 14 from beyond the arc, which against the Syracuse zone typically isn't going to work. So Gonzaga's season ends in the Sweet 16, and in the middle of the season, and even really at the end of the season, I don't think anybody even expected them to get to the Sweet 16. So from that perspective, this season was an outrageous success. But at the same time, you look at that game against Syracuse, and you say, you know what, they probably should have won that game. And Syracuse ended up beating Virginia in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. So it's possible maybe Gonzaga gets to their first Final Four a season earlier if they don't have a couple turnovers down the stretch in that Syracuse game. Kyle Wilter finishes his senior year with 20.4 points and 6.3 rebounds. He becomes just the third player in the Mark Few era 
to average at least 20 points a game in a season behind Dan Dicko and Adam Morrison. DeMontis Sabonis, 17.5 points, just under 12 rebounds. He is the only player of the Mark Few era to average a double-double in a season, and he did it with 17.5 points and 11.8 rebounds. I feel like that is a shocking statistic that I found that in the Mark Few era, there has been one player to average a double-double, and that's DeMontis Sabonis, and that is it. Of all the great big men that they've had, only one of them has ever averaged a double-double, and that's DeMontis Sabonis. Eric McClellan, his senior year, 10.7 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2 assists. Josh Perkins, as a freshman, 10 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4 assists. Over the next three episodes, of course, we will talk a lot more about Josh Perkins. Silas Melson, Kyle Dranginis, this is Dranginis' senior year, but both of those guys had 6.5 points a game. Dranginis averaged 4.5 rebounds and 3 assists. I want to talk about Dranginis just for a second because it felt like he was kind of the glue of this team. He made a ton of big shots his junior and senior seasons and always seemed to be at the right place at the right time. So while he was never an elite scorer, um, he always seemed to make the big shots when he needed to hit the big shots. And I thought he was a fairly underrated player on this 2016 team. I think I mentioned this before on this podcast, but this 2016 team ran more horns action than any other Gonzaga team in the past. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, feel free to go to uh, my Twitter account. I just posted an article yesterday uh, breaking down Gonzaga's offense from the last 25 years. And there's a video on there of the 2016 team running all sorts of horn sets, which basically got both Kyle Wilcher and DeMontis Sabonis involved in the majority of their actions. And when you've got those two guys uh, involved in everything and you make the defense guard both of them at the same time, it's kind of hard to guard. So if you're interested in watching videos of this 2016 roster, again, go to my Twitter profile and you can find the article that I wrote on there. Okay, that's enough for today's look back. Of course, tomorrow will be the 2017 National Runner-Up Team. But coming up to finish today, we're talking about Michaela Williams. She didn't play a whole lot last year as a freshman, but there's been some departures in the program that could open up her path to playing time. And we will talk about that path to playing time to finish today's show. Before we do, a minute to talk about Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus with the promo code. NFL 100. That's right, the promo code NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On and NFL 100. Okay, we've only got a few more players to get through in our Path to Playing Time series, and today it's Michaela Williams. Michaela Williams was the only top 100 recruit in last season's freshman class that stepped foot on Gonzaga's campus. But she ended up playing the least amount of any of the freshmen. Lily Scanlon was a point guard from Australia. She was also a freshman, but was ahead of Michaela Williams in the pecking order. However, this offseason, Lily Scanlon left the program to go back home and play professionally in Australia. That means the door could be open for Michaela Williams at the point guard spot. Her path to playing time 
is to take advantage of that opportunity. Williams was a do-it-all guard in high school. She's got really good size for perimeter player at six foot one, and she averaged 12 points, eight rebounds, and four assists her senior year at Windward High School in Southern California, where she won a state championship. She was ranked 87th overall by ESPN in the class of 2020. The last season at Gonzaga, she made just one shot, which was a buzzer-beating three right before halftime against Pepperdine late in February. She was basically relegated to final minutes of games pretty much all season long. The hope is that her freshman season was a valuable learning experience. She's got acclimated to the program now, and she's developed even more in this offseason. And with Lily Scanlon gone, Gonzaga doesn't really have a true backup point guard. They've got Kaylin Trong to back up Kaylee Trong, but Kaylin is much better off the ball, in my opinion. And they've also got five-star Bree Salenbine, which we've talked about, but she's better on the wing. They've got a couple other freshmen coming in this season who we'll talk about later in this week and then into next week, but Coach Lisa Fortier prefers, if she can, to play her more experienced players. So now it's up to Michaela Williams to prove that she is ready for those backup guard minutes. She's got the athleticism and she's got the size. She's clearly got some talent in her. Now she has to put it all together and prove it. That backup guard spot, I think, is the biggest question mark entering this coming season for the Gonzaga women's team. And it is going to be very interesting to see where Michaela Williams fits in that competition. Okay, it's going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to look at the 2017 Gonzaga Bulldogs. First Gonzaga team to make a Final Four and the first one to get to the National Championship. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Julian Strother. Only two more men's players remain. Tomorrow it's Julian Strother, a walking bucket, who's hoping to make a huge leap in production with more minutes on the court. Before we go today, if you're a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating if you're kind enough. Follow me on Twitter at SCargo. It's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can get that film breakdown of Gonzaga's evolution of offense over the last 20 years. Some really fun videos in that article. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.